Hello, I'm your host, Angelina Jenis, and this is the CXCast. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the CXCast. I am rejoined by a perennial favorite, Sue Doyle, Senior Analyst on the CX Research Team. Hey, Sue, welcome back. Oh, great to be here. Well, we have some history working on CX teams collaboration strategies. So we wanted to continue on this theme because you've been doing a lot of great research and been consulting with a lot of different CX teams across industries on the topic. I know you had a little bit of inspiration from your marketing days on some tools that could help. Tell me kind of what you've been doing. What what are some cool tools you've been using to help CX teams collaborate better? Yeah. So as you mentioned, I'm a former CMO and yes, this has certainly uh, awakened my marketing skills, thinking about how do we elevate the value of CX teams in the organization. But if we think about the tools we're using now to help CX teams do just that, many of them are tools that we have today as CX teams. Today, we manage customer personas. We empathize with personas. We figure out how to relate to them. We figure out you know, the answer to that question, what's in it for me? You know, What's in it for them? And we can use that for internal personas as well. The other thing that we can do is use a lot of the work we've done on outcome metrics. We had a whole set of outcome metrics research last year to figure out how to you know, think about organizational level metrics, connect that to CX activities, and then build value statements. Here's what the CX team does for you. What is the pushback that stakeholders tend to give CX teams when CX teams try to collaborate? Well, I think a lot of it has to do with the ambiguity around customer understanding. So if you talk to a customer facing team and say, we will help you understand your customers, they'll say, we already understand our customers. We get it. Uh, We talk to them every day. And CX teams have to position that, here's my marketing self talking again, a little bit differently to say, okay, yes, you do understand your customers, that's great, but you can't be with them 24 seven. And what if you knew what your customers thought, what their perceptions were when they weren't talking to you, when they were using the website or a mobile app, or they were talking to the contact center, or they were talking to a competitor, would that be useful for you to help you sell more efficiently, maybe shorten the sales cycle, and maybe get more wins or enrich an account. This requires a pretty deep understanding of stakeholders. So how do you go about even understanding what metrics are using? I mean, is it one-on-one conversations? Are we interviewing them? What are we doing to learn more about our stakeholders? Well, the good news is we have a short list, right? A lot of the collaboration strategies research we put together, I think it was a couple of years ago when you and I were asked, what do successful CX teams do? Short answer, collaborate. We figured out what's in it for sales, for marketing, for product teams, for process improvement teams, for brand, for insights. So we started that work. And the good news is we have many, many examples of how CX has helped marketing teams and sales teams and legal and compliance and the like. And so because we have that trove, when we're talking to clients, we can work with them on an internal stakeholders persona, and we can give them lots of examples of here's what other firms did. Do any of these sound like you to make the process much, much faster? Yeah. And then you can very broadly look at stakeholder needs and how we can help meet their needs. How specific do we need to get in terms of what we need to know to connect with each stakeholder? Yeah. So we need to get pretty specific, more specific than we did with our outcome metrics research. And that's when we looked at 
what's important to the organization, government organization, what's the mission, right? For a public company, what's being communicated to shareholders and connect that to TX activities. And that's great. But we also understand, and as we work with clients, we know that these metrics are translated down to the divisional level, to the functional level, down to each individual person and their performance metrics. And so understanding what, let's say, the marketing team of Division X is tasked to do, what's their mission, what are their metrics, makes it a lot easier to be specific about what CX does for them. And you mentioned personas. Do you think CX teams should actually be developing those artifacts for their stakeholders, stakeholder personas? Yes. Um, And the good news is we know how to do that. We know how to develop personas. We know how to relate to that persona. So this actually goes a lot faster than a customer persona. We go through this process with a lot of clients through guidance sessions, through workshops, and it's a three-step process, right? The first one is to empathize with personas. And that means we're filling out an internal persona template. They get a bit of homework to go vet it, try it out. We come back and we work on connecting the needs of that persona to what the CX team is doing. That's step two, the connection. And step three is taking that divergent ideation and putting it into a concentrated statement. Here's how we build value for this team. And it does feel like a lot of work, but it actually goes pretty quickly because we already know how to do some of these things. These are, these are muscles we have. We're just looking at it in a slightly different way. Mm-hmm. And we're informing those value statements with what we already know about all B2B marketers, all C- B2C marketers, all operations teams, all contact centers. So at least we can help narrow down that, that short list. Yeah. And I think it's an engaging exercise, maybe even a fun exercise for CX teams to do together. I mean, you're basically sharing with each other how you're interacting, what your stakeholder relationships look like. A lot of CX teams, everyone's kind of running off to separate business units to partner, doing different things, and maybe has a different idea of what stakeholder management looks like. So this would be an opportunity to level set that Um, especially if you're a CX team leader and maybe upskill a bit on those soft skills as well as the tangible things of what, how the CX team is going to partner. I mean, that's the benefit of creating something like a persona. We can all kind of agree on how we're going to have these relationships. Yeah, agreed. When we were putting together the collaboration strategies work, we even developed a tool called the CX influence tool. And it's funny, it's it's a tool that enables you to look at stakeholders by you know, what's the level of influence in the organization? What's the level in the organization? And then what's their alignment with CX? And when we work, you know, we work with clients with the tool, it feels like we're ranking our friends. It feels very strange. Like, okay, I really need to talk to this person as opposed to this person. But it doesn't mean that we don't like people in our organization or we don't want to spend time with them. We're really focusing our efforts and saying, okay, the digital team is where we're going to be needing the most collaboration. It's where our CX programs will have the most impact. So we're going to focus on them. So just going through that exercise makes this a lot easier and and a lot clearer. Right, totally. And that brings up a good point that when you think about personas, we're not talking about archetypes where we need to slice it the same way for everyone. I worked with a tech company that thought of their stakeholders in in terms of their steer co-champions, general managers, and then delivery team. And those were the three personas they wanted to create and really understand. And we talked about what are their priorities, what are their challenges, their goals. 
We also went into what are the risks in engagement with them so we could kind of figure out ahead of time what the where the barriers are going to be to deepening the relationship and even, you know, what are their communication styles? So are they data driven? Do they like storytelling? We've talked about this before, but communication styles is, is definitely something to include when you're thinking about that. Anything else you think is, is sort of important to include there? Agreed. It's, it's the hard stuff and the soft stuff, right? You talked about communication style on the soft side. On the hard side is how are they getting paid, right? What's, what are they being asked to do? And if you can align with that and say, this is how we help you reduce cost to serve in your digital platform then it's very specific because again, everyone cares about customers. That's wonderful, right? But being very specific about the value that the CX team brings, looking at a whole set of CX capabilities right now is critical because otherwise it feels like, oh yeah, we're helping with customers, that's great. And it feels like soft stuff that is a nice to have, not a must have to move business outcomes, right? Yeah. If you can articulate how the CX team helps to drive revenue, helps to reduce costs, helps to mitigate risk, helps with ESG initiatives, then it's very specific, it's clear, and it helps you not only win over stakeholders, but also get your slice of resources. Yeah, no, and what you're describing is, is clarity on both sides. So yeah, let's create personas for the stakeholders. Let's also be clear about who we are and what our goals are and what, what our priorities are. And also it's related to a lot of other challenges that CX teams face. They'll tell us that executives are really bought in, but they're not actually doing anything for CX. And it's like, well, maybe we need some clarity around who they are, what they're trying to do, who we are, what we're trying to do, so we can get specific with what we're asking of them to do differently or to add to what they're doing or to put a new lens on what they're doing. And this documentation is really common in culture work mm -hmm. to clarify what we're doing what our shared purpose is and what we're trying to achieve. Agree. And also to find out, you know, who's doing what. Uh, one of the things we do is we map out, we're starting to map out CX activities. We're going to release a CX activity map later this year, but it's very illuminating when you ask a CX team, okay, what are you doing and what is everyone else doing in the organization? And one area, certainly with marketing and CX, where there seems to be some confusion is market research. Mm -hmm. Well, we're doing market research. We don't need voice of the customer. We don't need customer research. Well, if you have a pivot table at the 50,000 foot level that says, you know, your customers, that's not enough, right? That's what every other company has. And the main reason to invest in CX, let's get real, is to differentiate what you're doing. So you have to be better than your competitor. I often cite an example, Citrix, the, um, the tech company, their CX team maps competitors' journeys, and they do a lot of analytics work on social media, things that are in the public domain to say, okay, is our competitor visiting one of our clients? Is our client, one of our clients going to a competitor's trade show? When they talk about products, what do they say? That's incredibly valuable, right? Mapping competitors' journeys and doing journey analytics helps their sales team win deals. The same thing with, you know, customer research. If you know a customer as well as your competitors do, that's not an advantage. But if you understand that, for instance, one of your banking customers or banking personas is really struggling to make ends meet, Communicating with them, you know, with empathetic language is more likely to help you build loyalty. Uh, we actually see this quite a bit in the utilities industry. There's not a lot of competition in the U.S. Competition is increasing everywhere. And utilities are really focused on trying to sell green products and services. Great. 
but not every customer cares about saving the planet, I'm sorry to say. Many of them care about, am I gonna make my next bill? And if you hit somebody who's trying to make ends meet with an EV service, you're gonna lose them and they're gonna be very unhappy. So understanding who that customer is and what's happening in their situation helps you communicate differently with them and helps you build that engagement and loyalty that leads to better experiences, lower costs, higher revenue, and so forth. Great. And I love how you're framing this as the journey centric mindset is really what's making the difference here. And what consistently is what CX teams can bring to the table for those that maybe just own one touch point in the journey and kind of have their heads down focused on optimizing that touch point and aren't thinking, where's the customer on the journey? How are they feeling before they get to this touch point? And how are we helping them achieve the ultimate goal from their point of view? So tying all of that back and saying, okay, here's our stakeholder persona, here's what they care about, and here's how we can maybe strive to shift their mindset a little bit to think in a more of a journey-centric way or whatever your goals might be with your stakeholders. I think framing that shift that you're trying to achieve or what that relationship looks like is really valuable. Yeah, exactly. The more specific we can get, the better, right? Instead of, we help customers, we improve experiences. <laughs> it sounds like Captain Obvious. Well, of course we care about customers. But as you and I see, Angelina, in our customer obsession research, there's a big difference between saying we heart our customers and actually doing something about it and using customer experience to differentiate your products and services. Yeah. So it sounds like you have more research to come that relates to this as CX teams are thinking about how to organize house a little bit. So there's the personas. What's the future research you're working on? Well, I think you and I are working on some things together, such as, you know, the what's in it for me. Um, statements, as well as putting together internal personas and being able to build those. We're doing that right now through guidance sessions and workshops. And so we can certainly help clients right now to do that and help prioritize what personas are important. The other things that are going to come out in the next couple of months have to do with CX capabilities and getting very clear. Here's the difference between market research and customer research. Here's what the Voice of the Customer program does. Here's what customer insights and analytics bring to the table. So it's very clear what CX teams bring, as well as, you know, what does product design bring to the table, how it helps de-risk new product launches. Here's what service design brings to the table. So being able to articulate exactly what CX teams do makes it easier for everyone and makes it much easier to articulate value. That's great. Yeah. And I'm looking forward to doing more research with you, Sue. Of course, we try to keep our collaboration ongoing throughout the Absolutely. year. And I know that you already, you always have a treasure trove of examples across industries, but I will let listeners know that if you have your own examples of how you're collaborating on your own organizations, you can reach out to us on LinkedIn. You can reach out to Sue or myself, slide into our DMs and let us know. And we'd be happy to interview you and learn more. Thanks for joining Sue. Thanks, Angelina. And thank you to producers Ellie and Julia, without whom none of this would happen. If you want to get in touch, email us at cxcast at forester.com. As always, you can find us at forester.com or on your favorite podcast platform. Don't forget to like and subscribe and tune in next time for more CX Insights.